Hey, this is Eniosh. For our 100th episode, we did a live show with people typing in the chat room and also talking with us live online. We are releasing the recording of that for our 100th episode. And actually, because it was really long, and because we were going to skip an episode anyway for Christmas, we're breaking it up into two episodes. The first half airing now, and the second half airing in two weeks. We had some technical difficulties at the start, which you'll hear, but due to these technical difficulties, we ended up losing all of the audio we recorded. Fortunately, we were saved by our awesome listener, April. She was recording the whole thing on her end and sent it over to us afterwards, so anyone who wasn't there for the live chat can still hear it. April, thank you so much. You have saved the podcast for December. We used a single omnidirectional microphone for this episode, so the quality is a little lower, and since it was recorded on the other end of Discord rather than right at the source, the quality is even lower still. So the audio on this one is going to sound pretty rough. But it is what it is. We'll probably do this every year because it was a hell of a lot of fun. Enjoy! So we're just having headphone madness here. Yay. No, you know, she doesn't believe in Bluetooth or Venmo or uh, web apps on the phones. So. I hate Bluetooth because it's supposed to work at the speed of light, but due to all the fucking bullshit they have with their translation, there's always like a, what, quarter second to half second delay on everything? I can't even watch TV shows over my Bluetooth speaker because the audio doesn't sync with the video. Just slightly off enough to really annoy the hell out of me. All right. Can you hear, Stephen? I can hear. Can you hear? Yeah, I can hear. All right, we're finally good. good. Oh, oh we're Yay, Phoenix agrees with me. Bluetooth is a horrible protocol and should not be used for things like audio. Whilst <laughs> syncing so to video. I mean, yes, it makes sound sound worse, but I like being able to walk around wirelessly on the train and all that shit. Any, anything where actual the speed of the connection is important, can't use Bluetooth. Broadcasting is hard and defies logic. Yeah, I'm sorry that it took us so long. Oh, Wiley Kerr listens to us get sped up. I was told by someone who's not here, uh, Zeke Aran, who um, he mentioned that he doesn't listen to it. He's this, the only podcast he doesn't listen to sped up because I'm incomprehensible. So. <laughs> I like a lot of people saying it's so weird to hear our voices in one next speed. We sound like we're drunk or something. Ooh. Yeah, there's no way we can speed up ourselves in real life. I guess they'd have to come back. I can talk really fast if that helps. Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. So now that we're actually here, welcome to a very special live Bayesian conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> very special multiple meanings of the term, where we speak with people who are online. And we are starting with Bayes. Uh, Bayes, did you have anything you want to ask or say? Hey, guys. Yeah. Um, well, I'm. you can call me Alex. That's that's my name. Uh, and <laughs> it's, I suppose, the, uh, the real most important thing I'd like to just tell you guys is that I very much appreciate this podcast and all three of you. Um, I was, when I, when I finished Methods of Rationality a little over a year ago, and then shortly after the sequences, I was the only one in Kansas City that I knew of who was into the rationality community. Mm-hmm. So you guys were my only source of actually listening to another rationalist speak for a very long time until uh, I managed to find a few others in Kansas City. Um, but thanks to your efforts and the, the support you guys unknowingly gave me, 
uh, we were able to not only form a, a weekly meetup, but also a dojo meetup and an effective altruism meetup. And uh, you guys, uh, you guys deserve a portion of that credit. And uh, I appreciate you very much. That's fucking awesome. That's awesome. You're crushing it harder there than we are here. Yeah. Thank you for telling me because that that really helps. It makes the whole project feel cooler knowing that people are getting shit out of it. How many people do you got there now? Uh, there's about seven core members and then a couple, uh, two or three others who show up. Um, we have a couple who actually aren't even from the Rationality community originally. They just saw our events on Meetup and thought we were cool people and started hanging out with us. So we nice. have, yes, we're, we're recruiting, I guess. <laughs> Slowly, we will get the whole world in our clutches. Yep, yep. Raise that <laughs> sanity water line. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Sad. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's great. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. And I also love your username. Yes. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, Bayes' theorem is spelled like B-A-E apostrophe S. Like Bay. Yeah. Which apparently I just recently found out. I think you told me it stands for best of better than all everything. What, what does it stand for? I've never Bef heard what it did. Before all Bef others? Before, before all uh, else. Before, before all else, yeah. Okay, which I, until just recently, I thought that it was like a shortening of babe. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that <laughs> one's cute, but everyone <laughs> thinks that it's short for babies or babes, so now I still can't, still can't use it. Oh, but, you can't use it? Well, because everyone everyone has the wrong idea, short for babe, and that sounds stupid, so. I thought it was kind of cute. But bay sounds, I don't know. It sounds great. I love it. Yeah. Especially Bayes' theorem, because it's a pun. Right. And I'll, I, I'll, I'll get out of bed for a pun any day, so. <laughs> See, the ite is with me. Also thought it was just babe, shorted. Yeah, me too. I've also got the chat here. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, I cool. was, yeah, I'm uh, also hoping to visit Denver here the ne within the next six to eight months or so. Awesome. Um, or whenever you guys uh, feel like uh, you'd be able available to, to hang out and talk about stuff, uh, yeah. I could always use, uh, I'm, I'm wanting to kind of do little short vacations to all the biggest rationality hubs and see how other groups do things. Yeah. And yeah. you guys are definitely number one on my list. Oh, wow. We should not be number one on that list. Yeah, they just did a semi-annual pilgrimage to Rationalist Mecca, so next time you make one of those, you can just put an asset out. As as important and as uh, prolific as the rationality community in the Bay Area is, it's, it's very close to the last on my list because I, I don't really care for the Bay Area that much. Yeah, but, my car got jacked. <laughs> Last yeah. time I was there. Like not the whole car, just all the available stuff inside it, right? Oh yeah, Bay's yeah. area. <laughs> that sucks. Um, but yeah, no, the so I'm kind of almost embarrassed when we talk about the Denver Rationalist area because we have like this podcast and we have the group of us that meet together, but we don't have like any of these cool dojo shit that you have in Kansas City. I and, really want to start it. Yeah. And uh, the Bay Area has like their own community center, which is amazing. But yeah. Anyone that wants to visit at any time, uh, let me know. I can't always like drop everything and meet, but if it's at all possible, I'd love to meet people. Yeah, if anyone's in town for more than two days, I can probably make it happen. So. Yeah, just let us know, and we will absolutely meet up. When Gray was here, GSB, we had a great time. Yeah, or at least I did, and I was also introduced to uh, Beat Saber. Oh yeah, which is fucking fantastic game. See that right there? That is entirely your fault. 
He's playing um, to a VR headset. A VR headset <laughs> with the Santa hat on it. Well, okay, the Santa hat is not your fault, but the VR headset is. I was, is there a way to download other songs for the PS? Because I saw someone uh, doing like a Gangnam Style with Beat Saber, but it... Oh, um, I don't think so. I mean, I was wondering that too. Maybe we'll try our Google Foo on it. Yeah. Because PS is basically just a computer. You can maybe jailbreak it if you're feeling that. Maybe. Yeah, that excited about it. Anyways, yes. Someone said they're in Texas, and what's happening in Texas? Someone asked if there was uh, rationalist communities outside of the U.S. Okay. And Sunderman Seven Twenty says they're in Texas, which is basically outside of the U.S. And there's there's some in the UK. <laughs> yeah, there's some in the UK. There's some in Russia. Yeah. I think um, there's a small one. Okay. I think they're. I think they're around. Russia has its own like rationalist coffee house thing, which I'm currently supporting on Patreon because it just looks like they're doing good stuff. Kancherka, I think it was. Um, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. I'll take your word for it. What kind of format is the coffee house? Like, is it actually... It's a go in and pay per minute just to be in the house thing. Nice. Well, that's a good, that's a good one. Uh, did the rationalist movement start in California? It arguably started either wherever Eliezer was when he was writing his blog posts, or <laughs> at George Mason University, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where Robin Hanson was writing... Uh, oh, that's good he must have been in George... No, he was never in the university. How did those two get in contact? Arguing about economics online, I'm guessing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would trace it back to either Robin Hanson or Eliezer, and I'm not sure. I think it was in California the whole time, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. I think that's why his um, founder effects ended up in Berkeley. Yeah. And well, it's also a great place for programmers. Yeah, it's, just, it's also very expensive. Right. Like, it's kind of unfortunate that it ended up in Berkeley because a lot of people can't afford to live there. Yeah. It's kind of hard to get around. There's a lot of traffic. I was just in downtown Denver earlier this morning, and yeah, it's an exciting place to be. Why not? It's so cold. Well, I had to pick up some stuff. But it's like, it just feels full of life, and there's people around, and everything's exciting, you know? Yeah. Like, when I'm here, I want to do things. And I go back out to the suburbs. (laughs) April, uh... Denver is a city of, like, 30-somethings. It's weird. Like, where I used to live in New Jersey, it was a very, like, aging population area, and it's weird just going around and seeing a lot of people my own age everywhere I go. Yeah. And, like, things that cater to the interest and taste of people in their 30s. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. You know, Denver is, you know, a really booming city right now, so people are coming here to make their fortune. When I had a house and rented out one room, three different times I rented out to people that were just coming to Denver, staying in the room for six months while they found, you know, a place to live. Such as me. They were getting jobs here. So, yes. Yeah. Although you didn't stay with me. Um, well, I stayed for, like, the week that I visited. Yeah. Stopped searching in my house friend. Yes. <laughs> they use a cat. It's perfect. Don't sweat it. Aw. Uh, I was about to say that April was saying something. It's not my cat. Uh, <laughs> oh. Roommate's cat? Uh, I'm out of friend's place because uh, last night uh, I was staying over at his place and then we got snowed in. So I'm just doing this all in his basement. Cool. Oh, we can turn the alerts on and off. Let's see. Uh, that... why, why are we turning the alerts on and off? Because every time someone comes in, there's a blue and apparently that's recording and stuff. Okay. Uh, notifications. Cool. Uh, does Beat Saber count as HIIT, high intensity interval training? No, I wouldn't say so. It's um, not nearly intense enough. It definitely is mode? when you're in Expert Plus. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I saw you and Phoenix crushing it in Expert Plus. <laughs> I was playing yesterday, and I won't usually sweat, and I was just like, 
it looked like somebody dumped a bucket of water on my head after I was done playing. Oh, nice. Okay. I was playing for like an hour. I got this um embarrassing uh, TDCS like neurostimulator thing that's supposed to train muscle memory. So I was playing with that. Cool. <laughs> and it's hilarious because it's a large headset with these electrodes on top of it. So I'm wearing this large VR headset with another headset over top of it. <laughs> I'd love to just get into Beat Saber sometime, but my technology, my computing technology consists of a phone and a Chromebook, uh, mm. so the threshold, the barrier for entry is a lot higher for me. I really wish they had Beat Saber in arcades, so people who don't want to buy a set can go play it That'd and also start. I could go with a bunch of friends and play it socially. That would be really cool. I was in one of those VR setups where they have a ring around you, what? so you can like walk and turn around and stuff. Is that oh, your town game? Yes. No, that was like during a convention. Yeah, um, nice. but it was like uh, five dollars for ten minutes. Like it was not a cheap thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that sucks because the only thing I'm interested in playing in that is Skyrim, and five minutes would not, wouldn't get me through the the cart right. battles. So it was really neat though because I saw it, it was just the same ten minute scenario for everyone, right? It was a run around, shoot zombies kind of thing, and I saw two people before me, and I knew both times at the end there's like a noise behind you, and you look behind you, and like something jumps out, right? And it's a jump scare. I was like, okay, this is cool. And I knew it was coming, and I got into the game, and I got into the room, and I heard a noise behind me, I turned around, and I jumped! I was like, damn it, I knew this was coming! How did I get tricked? Uh, turn your flashlight on. Yeah. Ooh, your eye laser. You shake to turn the light on. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a very cool feature. Yeah. That actually sounds like a really annoying feature. I mean, if I on the plus side, you can blind people, you know, without having to open the apps, so. I almost never turn it on accidentally. I literally do not hold my phone while I'm excited and making hand gestures. Ever except you don't for right now. Very much. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why. That's why I hold a mug. It keeps me nice and calm. I can't. I can't gesticulate sharply. A oh. mug full of steaming coffee. Right. Eventually, you'll just be shaking over my expensive laptop. <laughs> expensive ish was expensive five years ago. Yeah. Now it's like fifty bucks. Well, I would. Uh, I would love to talk to you guys about the the dojo experience that I we've had in Kansas City sometime. But uh, it would. There's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, that would probably. But, um, um, we should, would you be willing to be a guest and talk to us about the yeah. dojo thing? I would love to. Uh, that's that's awesome. definitely something that's that that would that would that would make make my year. That's for sure. Um, cool. As uh, I suppose the short version is is that we're currently in the process since we were originally start we originally started off by doing the hammer time sequence on Less Wrong. Hammer time. Hammer time. Yeah, it's a sequence made by. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't recall the username of the person. Who yeah. um, they had attended a CFAR workshop, and they it, this was their attempt to convey a lot of the lessons they learned, as well as practice writing. Uh, you can look it up on Less Wrong. It's just called Hammer Time. Yeah, um, I want to do that. Uh, and to CFAR, and then mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so what we're doing. Oh, well, so I'm getting yeah. like a. Kind of pull it off when you're talking. <laughs> I have to kind of put it on when someone else is talking. You can, you can mute yourself. Uh, I thought or I did. deafen yourself. Oh. I would do it for you, but I don't want to. So you started with the hammer time sequence, like going through it? Yeah, we started going through that. Um, now we've transitioned since into something else. Uh, we currently, our core membership are pretty much all seasoned rationalists. We have all the sequences under our belt. We have a couple years of being rational in the rationalist community. We have the background knowledge. And we even, one of our members is a licensed therapist who knows a lot of great information about cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, ACT and uh, uh, internal family systems therapy. So he has a lot of 
information and knowledge under his belt about how have, they um, can you hear that? I can hear it okay. Hear what? Uh, can you hear me now? How am yeah. I? Am I cutting out again? No, what I'm hearing is what I'm hearing is bass, so it's working fine. What are you hearing? I'm hearing nothing. I hear nothing. <laughs> well, thank you. Hi. Jess is working on making her thing work again. But yeah, so uh, how often do you guys meet? Uh, we meet every Tuesday evening, and yeah, we we I I I provide we we provide free food to everyone, um, and we meet for a couple hours. And we're currently our current format is more of a life workshop kind of thing, where we all uh, bring our skills to bear on each other's problems. Um, oh, that sounds dope. Yeah. It's really, really interesting, and I have a lot of really inter interesting stories about how that has worked out. Uh, it has been a very positive experience. Uh, I'd love to share more details. Uh, yeah. I would love to hear more details. That sounds awesome. Yeah, we've got to have a whole episode about this. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I think one of our problems is that we only meet once a month, which is, it's hard to meet more than that because we're all busy and half of us are in Colorado Springs and shit. Yeah, for, like we have people coming from like an hour north and an hour south. Yeah, and so then we've been on a Tuesday night at seven, which means you know usually leave by ten so we go to work the next day. We tried weekends earlier on. Then of course I keep telling people we can do as many as we want, like and just yeah. people show up, show up. But, and the thing is, if we were meeting every week, it wouldn't have to be as long. Like I always feel like I really got to get a lot in, so I'm always there till ten because it's only once a month. Yeah, but then the people right. if it was only an hour long. People are meeting from Boulder, Colorado Springs. Right, it would be worth it. For yeah. Them. Yeah. And yeah, also, and, um, I forget uh, if Carrie runs it. They have a Boulder group. Yeah, yeah. Separately, I forget if it's Western or Slave Circulatrix, but whatever. I think it started as a Slave Circulatrix, so it's probably what it identifies as. And yeah, and the thing with once a month, like if you meet, if you, if you miss a meeting because mm -hmm. you're sick or something comes up, whatever. I missed like three in a row at one point. It's yeah, like, <laughs> I didn't see anybody for like three or four months. And then it's hard to like get back into it. You've lost touch with people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was the exact same problem we had is uh, not only do you have those those practical barriers, uh, those practical failure modes when you miss a meeting. Uh, I'm a very extroverted person and I really need to be around people, especially sane people. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so when, when, I, when I miss a meeting and I go two months without interacting with an with another sane person, I, it, I feel really bad and just emotionally drained. Uh, it's a positive experience uh, talking to uh, rationalists. It's not always a positive experience interacting with with a non-rationalist. Yeah. Normies. Normies, yeah. <laughs> trying to think of a non-pejorative, but yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's, I'm more of an introverted person and basically before every meetup, I'm tired and worn out and don't feel like doing it, but I've dragged myself <laughs> there and it, within two minutes, I'm excited to be there. Mm -hmm. um it's just uh i think i mentioned something like that before but yeah I, it's just a matter of training myself to recognize like you 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 enjoy doing this get out there and do it and then i always do so yeah, I would, i'd love to right i'd love to hear any advice anybody has about getting over that uh i had that same issue with for example martial arts uh mm -hmm. where i i love it when i was doing it but it's so hard to get the motivation to leave and like, go attend the thing I don't know. Motivation has always been a mystery to me. Yeah. It's, it's actually something we've talked about at the dojo is the concept of motivation and what it really is. Um, 
and the short the the tentative conclusion that we've come to is that motivation is a bunch of con, bunch of constituent things. Um, especially the most important part of motivation is that it is the alignment of your behaviors with your stated values. And when you reframe it, reframe it like that, it's a little easier to think of ways that you, techniques you might use to over to figure that out. You might just need to re-examine your values and uh, uh, repeat, uh, dig deep into why those values mean so much to you. And then uh, I don't have very act. I don't have a whole lot of actionable advice on that. I'm afraid I haven't solved equation yet, but. Um, when you when you think of it as an introspection issue, uh, there are some there. It's a lot easier to uh, to make headway on. I find motivation much easier when I'm like in a really optimistic mood. It seems to me a lot of motivation is expected consequences. Like when I think yeah. I'm terrible at everything and nobody likes anything, I don't want to do anything. You know, because it's like just going to be with failure. Why even bother? You know. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm all like excited about something, like, this is going to be awesome. Everyone's going to love it. And like, oh my god, my listeners went from seven to seventeen in just one week. Yeah. That was the <laughs> coolest feeling. And you know, that's and the other motivation is just like when I don't care if I'm going to be successful or not, but I want someone to suffer for what they've done to me. That's the <laughs> the other one that works very well. Yeah, it's sort of a revenge. You know? it's, I don't think of it as a revenge. I think of it as burning down the system and building up something better. But really, when it comes down to it, it's just I'm going to kill myself and destroy everything so that this one asshole gets his. <laughs> I'm not in that place anymore, which is why I don't have much motivation anymore. <laughs> this was more of a uh, teens, twenties me thing. Yeah. One hack uh, I've tried is uh, whenever I am feeling low on motivation or just feeling bad in general. I have a pre-made list of all the things that typically make me happy or make me motivated or give me more energy. And I just list them uh, in descending order from easiest, from, from most accessible to least accessible. And I just work my way down that list. And yeah, my results can sometimes be mixed, but I have a couple uh, success stories with that where it has given me the motivation necessary to continue working on whatever it was I was working on. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I don't have much to offer here. Otherwise, I do more stuff, I guess. The only thing that works for me is like publicly committing to something. So like mm -hmm. making plans. I seldom break plans. And so if someone's like, oh, we should get together, I'll try and pin down a time because then I can't like put it off. Um, yeah, maintaining a so self-image reputation can really help. Commitment and consistency, chapter two, yeah. right? Or wait, no. What chapter was that of uh, Cialdini's book? In any case, commitment and consistency was one of the things, and it's something that um, you can you can use to like huckster people or to huckster yourself into doing things. Yeah, this is the book Influence. Oh yeah, Influence, uh, Science, and Practice. It's mentioned in um, Methods of Rationality. Did I tell you guys about how the military seems to build people up and make them on a better life course? If they, yeah, I think for some predispositions, or I think you talked about once. Yeah. Um, that the, uh, a lot of people who join the military are not from the greatest backgrounds, you know, trying to escape from a shittier life. Yeah, shit's going great. You don't want to go, you look it up at five in the morning and being told when you can take shits. Yeah, yeah. But they don't have a lot of wins under their belt. And the military will, like, give them specific jobs to do and tell them how to do it. And after, you know, seeing themselves complete goals and be successful months in a row, it start, you start to get over that helplessness and start getting some more motivation to do things in life. I don't know, it's weird.
I just wish it didn't come with the destruction of countries and the yeah. murdering of people. I really actually was interested in, um, what was it, the Dragon Army house there yeah. in Berkeley, where they did an experimental sort of I know. boot camp style household. Like, I would have actually really liked to participate in that. Did you read about the um, lessons learned afterwards? Oh, uh, yeah, the uh, postmortem. That was really good. I was like, now that they know these things, it would be a great way to start another Dragon House, you know? But apparently just don't want to go through that whole thing again. Well, I think Duncan, who um, organized it originally, said that he might do it again someday. And the reason he wrote the postmortem was mostly a bunch of notes to himself or to other people who wanted to try it. Cool. As far as, uh, I remember, I think his, he said that his main issue was just choosing the wrong people to be part of the house. It's one thing for like somebody to say, "Oh yeah, I'll do a six month boot camp," but then and like commit to daily exercising together and splitting up various chores and working on various projects. But then you get somebody who just sits in their room on their laptop. Yeah. You get somebody who's doing all the chores and then got mad because they were doing all the chores and stopped doing all the chores. <laughs> it might be just easier to start a cult. <laughs> Isn't that what we're doing? <laughs> wait, wait, what? What's the me on Facebook today? What happened? Oh, uh, I saw that. Is there something about the screen about dietary advice? Is Duncan the Dragon Army guy? Yeah. Um, yeah. At least I take that to be the same guy. I don't know for sure. Yeah, um, the Ute. Yep, so to me, the military wasn't very helpful. But I also think it wasn't the point. I wasn't at the point of thought things. Not going well. <laughs> yeah, I was when you were talking about the military building people up, I was thinking of <laughs> other examples where... People I know went to the military and like it kind of made things worse for them. I love the people who are surprised that this is not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I have asked the this this aspiration of starting a rationalist group home here in Kansas City uh, at some point in the future, and I'm. I'm not going to call the Dragon Army for sure. I'm thinking more the Sunshine Regiment. Uh, nice. <laughs> I wanted to steal that name. Yeah. We can always be Chaos Army. Yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, um, I uh, don't want to take up all of your time. It's all, uh, so I will go ahead and let someone else jump on in. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, yeah, likewise. Yeah, awesome. You guys are awesome. I don't know for a yeah. Cool. Uh, you. Oh my gosh, I'm still hearing myself echo. Yeah, you guys <laughs> have to move their headsets every time they're talking because it's. I don't know if you've ever done this where you hear yourself talking with like a second delay. Yeah, it's they, impossible to go through a sentence. They've actually like uh, done experiments where they drive people fucking crazy with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, did they actually weaponize that for crowd control? Yes, I heard about that too. Which I oh, guess yeah. <laughs> get the job done. That's um, so funny. They yeah. just record people and play it back a quarter second afterwards and it would fuck everybody up. That's hilarious. Anyway, Faze, thanks so much. Um, Alex, if you prefer, uh, yeah. we'll have to have you on for a full episode to talk about dojos and that sort of part of the community. I think that sounds fantastic. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Well, you guys have a wonderful day and you keep being awesome. Thanks. Hey, you thank too. you so much. You, you too. too. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we got to take a, uh, a new caller. Somebody, oh yeah, got us muted now. Cool. Uh, anybody in the chat, would you like to have your voice oh, broadcast to literally dozens of people? <laughs> There's so many people typing. <laughs> nope, no. Ooh, within reason would go for it. We got one. Wes. Okay. 
All right, Liz, you're on next. Let me find you and add you in. Maybe we'll get manual after that. I thought there was going to be a whole bunch of people. I was like, oh no, I feel like maybe we should have picked people out to be on here ahead of time. Pablo Demon, what kind of dog does your dad have? <laughs> and then I think I got to go find the best on you. Yeah. All right, Wes, you can hear us. Live. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Oh yeah, you are on the, the what is it, set of broadcast. All so, right. Hi guys, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> nice to hear you. I believe, Jess, you already know Wes personally, right? I'm going to stay on the line and get some more water. Okay, cool. Is Jess in, not Jess, is Wes in uh, New Jersey? Yes. Awesome. Was Jess and Wes ever confusing? No. Okay. Cool. What, like confusing as the name rhymes? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, if I find someone who was named, like, Beaniosh, that might be weird. <laughs> that was dumb. I'm sorry. I Wes, guess, how are I you? I guess by comparison, I'm good. Cool. I'm, uh, I'm here in New Jersey um, with my my new baby and my wife are here and my mother Hi, is watching the baby. And uh, we're, also, we're also watching the Eagles probably lose this game. Okay. That football thing? Is that very saddening or do you not really care that much? I mean, they're bad this year, so it's not that sad. Okay. It would be it would be more sad. They won the Super Bowl like two years ago. Oh yeah. Okay. I remember them being pretty bad most of my life. Yeah, that they've they've been bad a lot. I think they lost a major game on my 21st birthday, and like my parents took me out to a bar because <laughs> they're gonna buy me my first drink, and everybody was so upset. Everyone's yelling. Oh, uh, people are just crying into their cups. <laughs> I hear cities can get bad after like a major loss. Just the what? overall mood of oh. the cities go down, and like you don't want to be bars there. Yeah, I think it's West? city by city, but Philly is definitely a football town. Wes, please tell stories about. Uh... Oh my gosh, I'm hearing my own voice. Uh, tell stories about the Super Bowl, like or. I forget if it was the Super Bowl, but there was one game where they were greasing light poles because people were climbing light poles. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was the Super Bowl. <laughs> they um, when they won the, the the conference championship, everyone climbed all the light poles. Um, so the the Philadelphia Police Department greased them all for the Super Bowl. <laughs> and well, but Philly, of course, being Philly, we just took this as a challenge. <laughs> and there were there were definitely people up on those light poles. Cool. I can see competitions to climb grease poles. Yeah, there was. I remember a video of Wes playing a trumpet and leading like a crowd of people singing the Eagles song. Yeah, I uh, I had two weeks between the the championship and the um and the Super Bowl, so I so I used that to learn the uh, the Eagles fight song on the trumpet. <laughs> did did the city like clean all the grease off afterwards, or this light pole just stay grimy? They probably clean. I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> the, the grease probably cleaned them. They don't call it dirty Philly for nothing. Isn't gritty for Philly? Gritty is for Philly. <laughs> gritty is for Philly. <laughs> the best mascot. He really is. Now that so the, the and it really makes the Eagles mascot like ashamed because <laughs> we got we've got gritty for the Flyers and we've got the the Philly fanatic for the Phillies. Which are both great mascots, and then the Eagles just have this dumb eagle guy, and he's terrible. Isn't it just a dude with an eagle? Yeah, like a furry eagle head. Yeah, it's just, it's just like a football <laughs> player with an eagle head. They got up their game, man. Yeah, I know. I really. I really, I really, I really, I really 
Cool. Is that more or less on par? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Low-functioning sociopaths left and right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sad. I only got through, like, most of season two, I think, before they took it off Netflix. It's on Hulu. I know, but I don't, I'm not dating anyone who's got Hulu right now. I can give you some Hulu. All right, I'm dating yeah. Steven. <laughs> it's on uh, BitTorrent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's don't, true. Don't, don't be a lonely mesh. Just, uh, I know. Just publicly commit to stealing it. Oh, man. I feel so bad about pirating things. Like, I, I man. use, I use QB, which is a friend of ours, uh, Plex server. And I don't know. I don't feel as bad about that because that's more like sharing a book between friends. There's only like a dozen of us on there, right? It's like he stole all the books. <laughs> Damn it, you're right. I just befriended a thief. Uh, Somebody just posted a gift of Gritty, like spinning around and staring with its cold dead eyes, and I just can't stop looking at it. Nice. Oh, there's no way uh, to. Uh, <laughs> in, see, I don't, I don't know why Slack and Discord both exist. In Slack, you can minimize gifts that are already up, so. Mm. Well, this one's going to just scroll off in a second yeah, here. Just, uh, Torrenting well, is not sharing with yeah. the world. <laughs> so you have a brand new kid, which is like, what, three months now? Uh, she is one month. One month. Okay. Time is weird. And, yeah. And she just came home. She's only been home for a week. Okay. And you are going to be doing the whole unschooling thing. Hopefully. Awesome. That's the plan for right now. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a divorce attorney. I work from home. Um, so the plan is just, I'm going to be like the stay at home dad. Um, so we won't, hopefully that'll work out. We won't need, uh, the free daycare aspect of, of school. And if that's the case, you know, I, my plan is to leave it up to her, whether she wants to go. Yeah. I have a coworker who does something. They, they don't home, they don't do unschooling, but they have their daughter enrolled in some sort of program where the kid picks whatever they want to learn. And is it a free school? I don't know. I would think, I think it would have to be because they, up until like five months ago, were desperately poor. Oh no! But, I don't mean like uh, uh, free of free of. Damn it. There's a there's Sorry, a certain you. kind of who, who do I have to pick out of here, David? <laughs> that's your last gift. <laughs> You've been warned. <laughs> Thank oh. you, Hobo Demon. You're saving us from the the worst of the two orange monsters. Oh God! Oh man, he's, he also is a dog. There's pictures of your dog. Yeah, everyone posts spam, spam some pictures. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I'm not sure how that works. The kids five, so they don't want to learn much yet. But I'm wondering what that'll look like in five or six years. Where? Well, I see. I don't think that's true. I think five year olds want to learn the most. Let me rephrase. I, I don't know how they're going to get a like. I'm assuming they have to have some sort of disciplined like core education. But I haven't talked to them much about it. Um, yeah. So if you want to homeschool, there's a certain curriculum you have to cover, but right. it's you could cover it in like two weeks. It's not yeah. rigorous. Once, once, you learn, once you know how to read and write, that's like yeah. the... Uh, well, you, and you gotta... Yeah, and like the important things for a kid to know are reading, writing, and doing math, but there's so many ways to learn those. I just um, read the most interesting... Today. I read them just a few days ago, I think. The most interesting, um, not really study, pseudo-randomized observational study, I guess, of uh, people who were delayed one year going to school and overall, the people who started school one year later did better in life than those who started earlier. They uh, not only had better uh, overall GPA when they graduated and better life outcomes, they even had less um, jail time. Was it you that I was talking to about this, or what did we hear about this? Because I heard about because this was when the schools closed, when they like when people were forcibly withdrawn because they were resisting segregation, right? 
Was that desegregation? I don't remember the details. Yeah, me. so that I, I just remembered someone would be able to point me to where I just heard about this. Um, where, uh, let's see, when I guess in the 60s, when they desegregated schools, there were families who had forced their kids not to go to school for a year in protest, or maybe even schools who shut down. Um, and those people uh, got the, uh, sorry, distracted by the chat. Oh I, lo- God, I love, I love, oh. Hold on. Yes, it's a dog. Oh my god. <laughs> this guy, Nathan Pyle, does these these comics of the little aliens and they're all my favorite. Yeah. The, the yeah. chat is trying to destroy our, our live episode by distracting <laughs> us with gifts and dogs. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely working. I think it was something along the lines of uh, children just are naturally uh, like play is how hunter-gatherers evolved to learn the initial skills they need. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that being suppressed and uh, you know forced into more rigid learning stuff early in life, it damages, I guess. Yeah, school is, like, anti-play. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I hated school. Um, and I loved learning. I never hated school, but for me, the school was the play. Like, uh, when I, I was when I was in Chicago, there was apparently a gifted talented program that my mom got me into. Um, for in I was in kindergarten at the time. But they had us doing, like, these... Uh, we had one-digit math problems, like 8 plus 4, right? Yeah. It was a 10 by 10 grid of them, and we had five minutes to do all 100. And I rarely got all 100 done, but when I did, it was amazing. And I just, it was, it was a game, like learning was my play, right? And like seeing how good I could do on those. And then when I did get all 100 done, how many of them I got right? Mm-hmm. It was, so I think I was unique in that my games was trying to seek the approval of uh, my adults. And the way I did that was by brainy stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, there's yeah. some good, there's some good programs out there that let kids learn at their own pace. Um, like I did that when I was in third grade, they had us do math. Uh, they just gave us books. And when you would finish one book, you would start the other one. And you know, the kids all competed to see who could, who could, who could finish them faster. Yeah. You would start out with math or you started with addition. And then when you finished addition, they give you a subtraction book. You finish that, you go to multiplication, division, and then fractions. Um, and it was like, it was fun to see, you know, how fast you could get through it. But that was, uh, pretty aberrant in my education experience most of it was like here learn this or just sit there and shut up and don't do anything Lorik asks uh was the other hypothesis that the older kids were favored above their less developed peers and i don't think i mean i believe that was taken into consideration but this is like after 20 years sort of thing where everyone's gotten through high school already and what the overall life outcomes were as opposed to just you know is this kid one year more developed than the other kid in the same grade it was a like rates of being put in prison. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. anecdotally, uh, I'm, my birthday's in September, so um, I was you know almost a year older than many of my peers, and I didn't do any better than any of them. So, <laughs> uh, but that doesn't obviously count for anything. Yeah. Uh, now I don't, and I don't favor unschooling. I was also born a month because, early. Because uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm kidding. But yeah, I don't favor unschooling because I think it creates better outcomes, like in terms of anything measurable. I think everyone who who's looked at it has has found that it's not it doesn't it doesn't really make much of a difference. The unschooled kids do fine, but so do the kids that go to school. Um, you know, I just favor it because that sounds like a better childhood to me. And if it's not gonna if there's not really compelling evidence that putting kids through this pretty miserable experience really helps them out, then I don't want to do it. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I I did I just liked most of school. Um, Probably for the first, I don't know, right up until high school. So however many years that was of primary education. 
And I mean, I had nice parts, but for the most part, I, I was unhappy there. Anecdotally, this is kind of fun. This comes up in the next uh, We Want More episode that comes out tomorrow. Um, my, my co-host, Brian, wrote software in the 90s for a prison that was in the Netherlands. Is that where I, And that is prison's that where name was high school. Well, that's, that's where it gets funny, is they, they actually ended up uh, transitioning that software to manage schools. And I thought that was relentlessly entertaining. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, you know, yeah. tracking people is important. I'm like, yeah, but it's really funny that prison software transitioned so smoothly yeah. into high school oh, yeah. tracking software. Yeah. Not surprising. So I, I don't I don't necessarily agree, but I don't disagree either. Because the thing is, I think there's some things that it's super important for children to be taught, even if it has to be forced taught in order for society to keep running. And I don't mind if there's a little bit of suffering to get that done. Um, but on the other hand, you know, Wes's kid is just one kid, and I am more than happy for him to experiment with that kid. And uh, <laughs> well, I, I also, if it turns I, out better, I, we can adopt. If it turns out worse, whatever, it's one kid. I, well, I think the important things that, that kids have to learn are math, reading, and writing. Mm-hmm. But I think that kids, you know, most kids will learn those things without school. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I couldn't play the video games I play without doing math and reading and writing. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I it just kids kids learn best through play. And and there's a lot of play that teaches those skills. Um Ooh, the Bayesian says that uh he or she they is in high school right now and uh learns more on breaks than during school. That is not surprising. Yeah. Keep sending dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, instructions. Send as many dogs as you want. An amazing um, login said anecdotally, I've always needed school to find friends. Might be something that could be better optimized for. And April said that high school isn't ruining their uh, their mental health or anything, but they could be doing better things with their time. And I completely agree. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, why would Kara said asked if I could say again what I was doing with my kids' education, which I don't actually remember if I said. Uh, it's called unschooling. Um, it's basically, you just, you don't do anything. You, you keep the kid home from school and let them do whatever they want. Um, and it's very self-directed learning. And the idea is to have a lot of educational materials around that they can use if they want to, um, but you don't force them to do anything. I really want to get Wes back on the podcast, like in five years and hear how the unschooling thing is going. (laughs) Because that would be super interesting. I mean, Remind me five years. All right. <laughs> <laughs> There's people who have gone through unschooling. We could probably like been unschooled themselves. Yeah, this is not a new thing. People have done it. I mean, it's yeah. it's not a a mainstream thing, but it's definitely been done before. And that's where I get the information from. That it doesn't seem like it has much of an effect on anything. I think the main outcome for me, if I had to guess, from like an armchair psychoanalyzing, is that the main outcome for the children involved would be like how much do the parents care and if you care enough to like look into education and unschool your kid or private school or whatever it is you're doing the kid's probably gonna turn out pretty good yeah the most ones of who the- just like run with the flow and i don't know just do whatever or or you know obviously the ones who don't care and are detached that cause troubled kids but the ones who, who actually like my my sister um had, well, let's see my niece would be like a year and a half now and she called me a few months ago asking if she, if I was aware of anything like huge detriments involved with having um, her daughter go to a daycare that she is worried that the kids just plop down in front of a TV for six hours a day. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I think that TV is bad for kids, but you know, it's like literally half the price of the one that I know doesn't do that and times that by five years. And I was like, yeah, 
that pays for a lot of therapy if there is any damage involved. Um, I also but the other thing is that like my sister's concerned enough to care about screen time for her kid, yeah. which I think bodes yeah. well for the kid's outcome. I also think most kids are not going to be happy six hours in front of the TV. They're going to get up and do other things. Well, the kid's like at this time was like a year old. I'm not sure how mobile she was, right? At so, a year old, do they pay that much attention to the screen? I have no idea. Yeah, but, right. Uh, a year old. But my, my thing was just, just like the, the fact that you care is put to head, head and shoulders above. No, I mean, every parent, most parents care. But like the fact that they're willing to look into like research and beyond, I don't know, whatever Facebook stuff most people do. I don't know. I'm not a parent. So I, I, yeah. I don't have the, the temperament for parenthood. I'm way too neurotic. I'd be so nervous. Um, I imagine, among other I mean, things, you'd have to ask her like what the situation is. But I imagine there's other kids there that the kid would just end up playing with. Several, yeah. Um, so I guess I'm not really sure how it works. I've never seen. I've only seen one daycare, and it was one that was called the unlicensed home daycare. Yeah. And it was kind of like a, a living room your size, where they just put like a doggy gate on either side. My mom had one of those actually. Yeah, for and a few I mean, years. and it is. I'm sure it's, there's worse places to pick your kid during the day. So. And better places. I mean, like if you're, well, what I'm trying to say, like it seems like a pretty good situation. Like you're socializing with other kids, mm-hmm. right? So to the extent that you can socialize, I'm not sure if they're if they're not talking yet, what that really counts for. But they're around them, yeah. looking at the same things. You learn a lot before you learn to talk. I mean, like babies are just little learning machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much all they're doing. Yeah, it's the most plastic they're going to be in their lives. I got to throw my teeth. Oh, yeah, it's like a whole separate conversation going on in the chat that's really interesting too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but boot camp? Right, to divide my attention. Okay. Do you want to be our, our chat person? Um, no, as okay, as it's fine. Like, like reading through <laughs> the chat, yeah. Uh, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, but so the the thing about unschooling is that all the the data that people have collected on it is all survey data. Because no one's done any like longitudinal studies or anything. Oh, so they're um, reports. Yeah, so and all the self reports are good. Um, I think it was like they. Uh, I, I saw a survey of like three hundred students, and only three of them said they had a negative experience with it. And those were from like re- either super religious families or like one family that was just totally checked out. Um, and like the you know two hundred and fifty or three hundred other people had uh, said it was great. They learned plenty um, and felt no disadvantages in life. A lot of unschooled kids end up going to college, um, but they, typically they go to community college around age 16 or so and then transfer yeah. after that. I know I've heard, uh, I was reading a blog for a while where the, um, it was, I think it was called Raising Free Thinkers, mm-hmm. uh, where I think they were doing radical unschooling and uh, they would take their kids to college courses like when they were pretty young. I got, I got a question. So I don't remember now who it was that said that uh, they went to school to meet uh, other to meet friends, new kids. Uh, how did you guys meet other kids and make friends when you were young? I didn't have friends until I was in my twenties. Like oh, uh, when like I was, I had like one friend at a time. I was really introverted yeah. when I was a kid and. Mostly, I was like by myself though, and I just read books. <laughs> yeah, I'm tempted to say I didn't, but I had friends. Um, it's paradoxically, I met them all through other friends, which kind of has like a first mover problem. And I'm not sure who the first person was, but I would I would connect with my friends through my my friend or friend group already. But 
the first uh, mover was obviously God, as uh, per the ontological argument, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a lot of bad role model friends. That oh, that's how you make friends, God. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that scene where Hermione was on the train and bemoaning that adults wouldn't just say, you two, go be friends. <laughs> I think that's actually oh what happened God. to me. Yeah, I, no, my parents did that. They were like, just we want you to get it like off the computer and go over to the house cuffs. Like it was like in a different neighborhood, but like, what do you call them? Like blocks, I guess. <laughs> blocks. Cold development. Developments. Whatever. It was, they were like one development over. And uh, there was a kid my age there. My parents, like, my parents were like, leave the house and like, don't come back until you've like gone over this kid's house and hung out. With them. And it was just the most awkward goddamn thing. Oh, man. I, like knocked on the door and they're like, do the hell are you? And I was like, I'm from over there. And I'm your kid's age, and apparently I gotta hang out with your kid. <laughs> yeah, I made. I made. You know, we were like, we were totally different types of people. Like, I think her name was Morgan. She was perfectly nice, but like, I was like a little town boy, and I liked to climb trees and stuff. And she was a girly girl, and it was just like we had nothing in common. <laughs> My parents, they always like, I don't know, found a friend for me in church because you know they'd go to the Jehovah's Witness church. They call Kingdom Halls, but church basically. And they'd meet another parent with a kid around my age, and they're like, our kid doesn't have any friends. Your kid should have be friends with our kid. And so, like, his parents would go to him, my parents would go to me, and they're like, you can be friends with that person now. And it surprisingly worked out for the most yeah. part. I but suspect that, like, with arranged marriages, arranged friendships could work if um, the people actually have, like, their kid's best interest in mind, like... Okay, my kid is this type of kid. They like to do these things. Let's actually be mindful and search for like somebody who seems compatible. <laughs> it didn't ever work for very long though. I like you. I only ever had like one friend at a time. Really, was a good friend, and always after a year or two, they would move or disappear or something would happen. Like, spend a while friendless, and then have one friend, and then they would move, and it was it was kind of sad. It was like a constant life of. Abandonment, almost, right? Yeah. I hear military brats could do the same thing. Yeah. The parents move every year or two. No, a few people uh, were military brats and said that it was just really rough trying to, I guess, um, make new friends every year and uproot yourself. Yeah. Although some people did say that they learned um, how to make friends better and like how to do social skills better by constantly having to do that. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I never got through that. I mean, I guess I eventually, when I became an adult, got better at that. But yeah, in high school, the things I did was just find the nerdy kids. Dude, it's so embarrassing now looking back on it. This one time, I was like talking D and D with a kid a year older than me, and like they didn't believe that I was a nerd and that I was into D and D, right? So they started <laughs> quizzing me. They're like, "What's Faco?" And I'm like, "To hit armor class zero. And Yes, right. And I went through that for like 15 minutes and I was so proud that like I passed the test and I was allowed in and everything. But looking back on it, I'm like, oh my God, I should have been like, fuck you. I don't got to prove anything to you. But no, that's the, that's like, the most nerdy thing I was literally thing ever. kind of shaking by the end of it, trying to <laughs> not, not let them see that I was shaking. But that's how nerds bond. The what, sorry? I said that's how nerds bond. <laughs> I guess. Sometimes. And now no one knows what that goes anymore because they don't use that. I learned that was just now, so... Yeah, to hit armor class zero. Come on, guys. Yeah, they, they phased that out with uh, third edition. It's probably smart. Yeah, uh, I made friends. I just made friends with the kids in my neighborhood. Because I grew up in a, in a rural town. And there were only like five other kids within a mile. 
Oh, wow. So we just, that, those were the kids I hung out with. Yeah. Uh, what did you say last to us? I switched headsets. Wesley had uh, kids within uh, five kids within a mile of him grew up in a very rural place, and uh, so that's his forced friend group. Huh. Yeah. Now, now, thankfully, I met my my my, long, my uh, lifetime best friend. Uh, I met. He was in my neighborhood. We just got along really great. So that was awesome. But yeah, we we did not have a lot of choice. So. That's weird because. I don't know, you know who your friend group is then, and it's kind of like solid and steady. Whereas in a city, there's just too many people in a five-mile radius, and so people tend to splinter and isolate, and you do get people who are completely left out of social circles like you never would in a rural area because everything, everyone within five miles is your friend because there's only ten of them. Yeah, and the, the culture there is different too. Like, you can't, if you tried to exclude anyone, your parents would yell at you. Huh. <laughs> As if they like, no, you have to, you can't just, like, not hang out with that person. Yeah. Or, like, you can't, you can't, you know, isolate them, yeah, which I guess. I don't know. It seems no. like a lot of these structures that we're talking about, there's kind of pros and cons. Yeah. Like, as far as, I don't yeah. know, as far as. But also, you'd have to be, <laughs> like, friendships are... you'd probably have to be from an established family. Like, if it was a new immigrant family moving into town, they probably wouldn't be forced into friendships the same way that a kid would that's been there for generations. I mean, the new families were. I don't know. We, we didn't. We never. Really, it was. It was pretty white. Uh, areas, you cut out. What was that? Um, the new new families. Yeah. That that's yeah. what happened to them. Like my best friend moved when I was in right before first grade. Ah, <laughs> uh, dogs. Uh, but we we were pretty. It was a pretty white area, so there were no uh, immigrant families. So I don't know what would happen there. Yeah. Where do you live now? Uh, oh, Philadelphia. That's right. Yeah, Jersey, right outside Philly. Okay, the rural area or like a suburb thing. It's a suburb. It's like a small it's really town. Nice. Um, yeah. Introduced me to the book Happy City. Or was that your pick, or was that um? Yeah, Happy City. Yeah, that was yeah. really a good guide about how to pick where to live. Um, I had some considerations from that book when I was choosing where to move as well. They talked about having a like a downtown area. It's really important for your mental health. Yeah, you need, people yeah I think I think their big recommendations were walkability and uh, tr- nature. Okay. Yeah. I'd see if I was to make a intentional rationalist community, I would like something like that. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that requires also a lot of land, which is very expensive if you want to be near major employment areas. Yeah. So you've got to go out to the suburbs, but then everyone's two hours from where they would well, work. That's and, why you do a greenhouse. Yeah. I've been looking at them. Uh, there's a house with five bedrooms that I've got my eye on, but I don't know. I don't think that that's quite in the cards just yet, but I definitely want to make a group house happen. Maybe next year. Okay. Do it. Yeah, that would what be awesome. What's going on in that picture? Lorik said that they grew up in a small town, and it was half immigrant, so it was very splintered. I'd be interested in hearing more about that at some point. Why is Elon Musk laughing about a is that a drowned deer? It looks like it's the bottom of a swimming pool or something. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Okay. Please explain this picture. Sonar Man is trying to get us to go to Texas because they have cheap land there. I am not going to Texas, Sonar Man. Uh, yes. uh, nice try. <laughs> Although, All Hail West Texas was a great album. That's true. That was a great album. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to check out. Because uh, okay. I have uh, childcare stuff to do, and I think my mother's getting ready to leave. So, um, but I'll be I'll be listening for the rest of it. 
All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Wes. Uh, All right. I'm definitely going to come visit Jersey, like, probably in January. I, I don't know. You've been saying I'm going to visit next month for, like, <laughs> six months. Yeah. Just I avoiding know. the parents. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm mostly avoiding my parents, but... Uh, oh. Well, don't visit your parents. Visit visit your... Me. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. All right. I'll see you guys. I'll Thanks Jess. I'll see you soon, and I'll yeah. talk to you guys on the Discord. All right. Later. Nice talking to you too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Apparently, there's a Houston Rationalist group house. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Who, um, who, who do we pick? Uh, who goes on next? Uh, talk. There's a bunch of people I'd like to talk to, but Emmanuel said me next, please. Do we want to put on Emmanuel then? Huh? All right. Emmanuel, you can come up next. If April wants to talk at some point, April's active in the chat a lot, and it'd be fun to talk to. Yeah. I, I'm guessing. If they feel, if she feels like it, it would be really fun to talk to a bunch of people that I see around all the time. Right, I can't do anything Here, because I got the push the top down. You can do the thing. Stand by. We are switching up people. It's not alphabetical order. And it, it, point. I touch. I'm blind. There, I'm, I'm literally touching. There we go. <laughs> and it is an alphabetical order. It is. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. Okay. I'm an idiot. <laughs> that's true. Or, that's true. Then. All right. You got a, a server unmute as well. All right, Emmanuel, you should be live. Hello, Emmanuel. Hey, how you guys doing? Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, I can hear you now. I have to tug on my extend matic again. Have whatever you want. I see, I see. So uh, I'm Emmanuel, as you can see by my Discord name. I'm currently in Bristol in the UK. Oh. I'm originally from uh, Bermuda, like the triangle. Awesome. When did you move to the UK? Uh, about nine years ago for university. Okay, cool. Do you prefer the UK or Bermuda? Definitely Bermuda for the weather. Uh, it's a bit small, though. Yeah. So uh, I'm probably going to be out in the UK or the US somewhere for a while. Right. What time is it there right now? Nine 9.20 p.m. I just looked. Okay, that's not Okay, cool. I did not intentionally pick something that European people could listen in on, but I'm glad it worked out. Is it <laughs> yeah, Monday over there or Sunday? Sunday. Sunday, okay. So this is a, this is a nice time for the call because it's Sunday evening, fairly relaxed. Cool. I just wanted it late enough in the afternoon that I could be awake and functional, yeah. <laughs> but not so late that it would go too long. I barely made it here on time. Yes. <laughs> I got back from a concert at 4 a.m. last night. Oh! Oh, what concert did you go uh, to? Avenue Park. Avenue Park. Steampunk. Okay, okay. Steampunk? That was really great. There's a lot of people there in steampunk outfits. And that sounds fantastic. I, I felt so underdressed. I need to... Up your steampunk anyway, game? We should talk to Emmanuel about yeah. stuff. Emmanuel, do you have a topic you want to talk about? Or? Yeah, I wanted to talk about something that's not been bothering me about the rationalist community, but communities in general, and also partially the rationalist community. Uh, and that is um, inefficiencies in information consumption. Mm. Uh, and by that, I mean um, one of the things uh, that bothers me about like less wrong and slice our codex and that sort of stuff is the amount of verbosity that a lot of people have in their posts um, mm -hmm. and they're sharing information and knowledge. And I have a lot of different sources of knowledge that I like to read from and watch videos from, and it's hard to allocate time towards the rational mm -hmm. sphere as much as I'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some... Um, uh, I'm sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I was going to say there's a... I can't remember what it's called. There's... um. A newsletter, the rationalist newsletter that uh, kind of collates what things have been posted in various like rationalist, uh, like you know, unless you're on um, on Star Codex on people's side blogs. So that's one way to kind of 
stay caught up. I've found that to be helpful, but also I agree with you. There's a, it's, uh, I have like a bunch of these newsletters that I just didn't even read because I was too busy. And I'm just like, oh my God, there's like 40 like book length things mm-hmm. <laughs> this <Yeah>. week. <laughs> so I don't know. I, one of the things I really like about Scott's posts, uh, anyway, in Slate Star Codex and a bunch of uh, Eliezer's original Esrong posts is that they have some extra words mm-hmm. to make it interesting and to draw me in and uh, to make it fun. Like for me, getting the information just born style, I can't do because all it is is data and facts. And I need some Scott Alexander in there with his sarcasm and his joking to, to keep me going. Or, you know, Eliezer with his pop, uh, pop nerd references. Uh, but I think on the whole, I, they're much less verbose than what I read in the rest of media. Like just someone just linked, um, on, on Facebook. Apparently there's some kind of 37 year old mom that pretended to be 11 year old on what is it? What's the new Tumblr? Um, TikTok, I think. Snapchat. Snapchat maybe. And yeah. Anyways, and there's apparently some whole horrific thing. And I read down like 400 words and still hadn't gotten past the part where she was like putting on clothes and talking about her own life and stuff. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm out. (laughs) At some point you got to get to the point. I don't care about your, I know everybody needs their own personal life struggle and this narrative to be woven into the news story. I'm like, it's too much. The the worst is cooking. uh, When you're trying to find a recipe, (laughs) that's what I was going to say. It'll be like, Here's my grandmother's yeah. recipe for potatoes. Uh, she, I yeah. was first taught this recipe when we lived in the Mediterranean, and I still remember the smell. I'm just like, where's the recipe? Yeah, I'm scroll down 80% until you find the bullet points or the numbered list. Yeah, it's. I think that's a tough... I, I don't have a lot of strong thoughts on it in manual. I think the, the hard part is, like, information dissemination will be tough. Like, it'll be contingent on groups, or at least correlate with group size, right? If there's a lot of people, then there's a lot of information going around and getting a to everybody is pretty hard. If your group is six people, it's not hard to keep everyone fully in a loop, like a text, you know, group text chat or something, right? Oh, well, Well, I feel like at the same time, uh, I know Ineos has mentioned this before, that uh, if Elias is writing and Scott Alexander is writing, the amount of, like, insights to words is ridiculously high. Um, So it's not necessarily verbose in the sense that there's a uh, they're just waffling and adding all this extra stuff to make it a bit more interesting and adding some car sarcasm, which makes it uh, less uh, dry per se. But it's more about like there's just a lot um, of content. Yeah, so like some of the some of the posts I've read on Less Wrong recently, or like I say recently, like over the past couple months, uh, I've gotten really good insights out of. But at the same time, I only read like one post every other month because it's just to read any one post, yeah. it just takes such a time commitment. And then I, it's, it's sort of hard. I agree. Bayes Theorem Ponit says basically the same thing, that most less strongers are too verbose. And it's writing these posts is a skill. It's something that takes a lot of practice to get right, or maybe inherent natural genius. I don't know. But I assume it's a lot of practice. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's not a skill most people have. So their posts usually tend to be too high of a word count to information ratio. Uh, April said... I have an idea about writing something that's sort of halfway between rationality abridged and sequences, which I was going to suggest something like that too, or say that I wish something like that existed. Like somebody, yeah. it would be great if there's somebody or like a, a group of people who are really good at picking out the like best quality essays about a variety of topics and then summarizing them. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I haven't I heard think, of it. Oh, go ahead. 
Oh, we need more like I, I really love rationality bridge because I I still haven't uh, I admit I still haven't finished all the sequences. I've only done about uh, half of them, if even that. After like my how long have I been part of? I think I came across HP more in twenty eleven. Um, so that's about when I got into the last strong community and the rationalist community, and I still haven't finished even as much as I'd like to and would have the desire to. Um, but I came across rationality abridged, and that suddenly sped up uh, how much I was going through the actual posts themselves. So not even just the abridged version, because I can see the abridged version. I say, oh, this post is useful. Can you reconnect uh, me on your phone to Discord? I tried to do some science. I forgot that that was connected to this. Uh, Steven just having a technical uh, issue. Hold that. Okay. We got it. I, you know, I hadn't even heard of Hammer Time, which now apparently I'm regretting because oh, it sounds like it's really good. But one of the reasons was because, like you say, the posts are. They, they can be a lot to read, and uh, and it sometimes doesn't feel like it's quite worth it when I have thing, other things competing for my time. Um, but I mean, like, I'm glad I read about the Dragon Army stuff. That was really interesting. It wasn't yeah. quite as tight as, like, you know, the people who've been doing this for years, but it was still good. So I, I try to get on less wrong every now and then. And see yeah. I want, another one popular. of my main concerns uh, with this is that we're trying to raise the sound waterline, as you say, so get more people into the rationalist community and reading about these ideas and staying a part of the community. Like if I'm someone who's like really believes in the community and really gets um, a great value out of the things I read and the people I encounter, and it's still hard for me to come in and read specific things, posts that people say, oh, this is a really good post you should read. And I'm like, yes, I, I will get on that. And then I get on it like a year later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do we expect English. people to get into this who don't even like reading as much as I do. I, I'd probably say I'm in the, the minor, minority in terms of people who actually like reading this sort of stuff but still find it high, uh, like a, a challenge. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I read pretty fast, and I have to read a lot for my job. Um, I'd really like to, I'd actually be down to collaborate with a group of people if anyone's interested in trying to launch a sort of project like that. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be happy to contribute to something like that as well. That's honestly that's part of my vision for why the podcast exists because there is so much information out there and it's hard to get through it all. And I like the podcast as just a way of putting some of these things out there in an audio format, which hopefully is also entertaining. But it was so useful for me, honestly. Um, you had not just recorded um, methods of rationality, but a bunch of other rat fic and some sequences and. I, was able to listen to a lot of that while doing other things like multitasking. Yeah. Like honestly, yeah, if I could just read all day, like that would be great. But yeah, um, it's hard to get time sometimes. And audiobooks are one way that you can kind of read something while doing something else. It's really weird. I I didn't do audiobooks really for a long time, aside from what I could get for podcasts. But recently, I got an Audible subscription because I was starting to fall behind with my uh, my book club, that sci-fi fantasy book club that meets twice a month. And, like, I recently, for the first time, was reading a book and listening to it, just interspersed, because it'll sync up uh, to whatever page you're on. Oh, yeah, I like that page. Yeah, it's really cool. But I noticed that how I experience the story reading is different. It's very different, actually. Yeah. yeah. And I don't... I prefer the reading experience. It feels much more like I'm in the world, and I just... I feel like I'm part of the story more. Mm -hmm. But I just don't have the time to read everything. Yeah, I, I don't prefer one over the other. I think that they're they're both different. Um, 
I'm trying to think of a way to really explain it. I think I'm a bit different from most people in that I actually, it, I find it easier to listen to audio and like, like generate the scene and, and be immersed in it when I'm listening, because for some reason it requires more of my mental brain power to like convert uh, words through looking at them on a page versus yeah. just listening to someone speak. Listening to someone speaks just frees up my brain so much more to just imagine things. And especially yeah. I just close my eyes as well, which makes it a bit easier. Yeah, I don't think that's um, that unusual in manual. I think a lot of people uh, experience that. Well, yeah, so, much, I, so much so, I actually, uh, sorry, I actually, um, one of the reasons I got into HP more so much is because my friend recommended it to me. Uh, shout out to Alex. Shout out to Alex. Um, um, I'm hearing a bit of an echo. Echo's on your end. Uh, okay. Oh, I think, uh, oh, I think, uh, uh, I, uh, uh, myself. There we go. So, uh, what was I, what was I saying? I lost the trigger though. Uh, you're talking about listening to audio and visualizing. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yes, I want to thank you specifically because, uh, I wasn't, I was putting off reading HP more and I probably wasn't ever going to get around to it. I'm going to uh, get my I, 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 uh, I noticed that there was an audio version of it, uh, and then I just binged the whole, of HP more as much as I could until I caught up and then just oh, listened to every episode. People in the chat are saying that the audio is messed up. Is it still bad? Uh, it's, it's fine for me now. Okay. Okay, okay yeah. I, I think, think it was when we had that crazy percent. echo thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, my smart, I need to remove my headsets. Jesse, right, this is. Yeah, I'll um, switch back in. No, no, I don't mind at all. Um, yeah, my, my experience, like, I, I have a hard time. Sitting down and reading stuff and not getting distracted, or even just kind of translating what my eyes are glazing across to like processing my brain. That said, mm -hmm. listening to stuff is easy to get distracted too. So I find my my optimal way, which unfortunately is like the least time uh, efficient, is to force myself to read something and then listen to it the next time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Then I'm able to really retain stuff. But I have been able to almost fully retain fully audio stuff before. I think it really depends too on the quality. Like a good quality audiobook is like watching a movie, basically. You know, you're just painting the pictures yourself. But yeah. I, I, I struggle to like listen to essays. That said, I guess it just depends. What really sucks is the text to speech, like trying to do that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But anything that people have read out loud, I think I do just more or less fine with. I really can't wait until. Um... Google, I think it was Google, is experimenting with the new um, text-to-speech program that sounds really good. Okay. Like, it sounds like a human's talking. Um, and yeah, Chloe is saying it too. Can't wait for that human-like text-to-speech. I, I mean, now that I have AI models. Sorry. Now that uh, I'm not have... doing... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry, <laughs> keep interrupting. It's my it's a little bit of delay. They even have... Um, Neural network models right now that can take like five seconds of your voice and replicate your voice fairly accurately. So it's hard, pretty much hard to tell the difference just from five like seconds. a five second clip of, of you speaking. Oh, man, I want to I'll send you guys that. a link to that too afterwards. Please um, send a link. That sounds like something I, I love playing with that kind of thing. Because I, I actually work, I actually work in AI and you said worked like uh, was that the past tense or do you currently work in AI? Uh, well, I'm doing my PhD at the moment. Ah, okay. What I, is the subject? I remember seeing a, a news story about that that thing where you could record, like, it was back when I heard it. This was like four or five years ago. It took a lot of hours of audio in order to get someone's voice perfectly. The fact that they yeah. can do it now with five seconds is amazing. 
it's, it's yeah. pretty uh, it's pretty disconcerting. They can even uh, replicate like you can say something and then they transfer it onto a video of a politician, for example. So you could have a you say something and it gets transferred into Trump's voice with Trump saying something, um, and it actually looks really natural to the human eye. Yeah, he's not that far from being able to claim that all the shit that he said was all fake. Basically. Uh, well, I thought you were going to say he's not that far from being incomprehensible anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he, I mean, he'll, he'll, people will point to things like, hey, here you are in video saying this. Yeah. Oh, that's fake news. That's sure. what I was going to get in it. two or three years, yeah, people will be able to say, oh, that is fake news. Uh, but, but not to be all doom and gloom, there are ways of detecting if things have been edited like that. Just like this is there are AI models that can create that sort of thing. There's AI models that can detect if AI models have created it. So it's not totally uh, the downside is it has a layer between like the person who you know sees the the video clip or whatever, and then someone having to like go through and do an analysis. So like if you're just getting your stuff from the news, you're gonna have to take their word for it that it was auto generated or not, and people are able to lie about that. We'll see how it all shakes out. But yeah, at least it will be possible for diligent people to figure out something is real or not. So, I yeah. backtracking just a little bit. I had my luddite moment a few years ago uh, when the when I was still doing the audio fiction, and you know people were talking about the whole "I wish there was a text to speech" sort of robot thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, this is the one thing in the world that makes me special. Don't replace me with a machine, damn it! Honestly, I felt that way when they started coming out with art. Uh, Art bots. Mm -hmm. Like they have. Um, now I won't be special to anyone. You're oh. special to me. <laughs> Aw, thank you. I don't know. I actually like. I feel like robots being able to do stuff doesn't mean that humans doing stuff is less valuable. Mm -hmm. As long as, like, you know, if maybe the robot has good ideas for art, but like I could also have good ideas for art. I no. Not only that, but a lot of art in the world. Yeah. Ultimately, I know it's a good thing for the world. Like. It's it's a better world now well, that we have photography. Friendly, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, okay. But technological progress, good. Even if I personally, yeah. Quiz says, don't worry, Inuyash, when the robot voice era comes, we'll use your voice to read everything we, <laughs> everything we want. Cool. All right. I'm going to use your I'll voice get to off to, to let someone oh, wait. else. Uh, Before you go, uh, I was curious to know what your uh, PhD is in. Oh, my PhD. It's in helping to explain artificial intelligence models like uh, deep uh, networks by creating visualizations. So for a layperson, uh, for example, one of the data sets I work with is student water usage in a campus. Um, and then I trained a neural network model to sort of predict what's going to happen or what's changed over time. But the problem is the people that normally work with water data, the statisticians, uh, the people in the water data company, they don't understand how these models work. Because they're just a whole bunch of neural network nodes doing some linear algebra uh, and coming out with an answer. So I create visualizations which are help people like that who don't necessarily know about machine learning to sort of understand: is the machine learning model does a machine learning model think something is wrong? Is there a water leak? Do they think students are uh, having bad behavior without having to explain machine learning to them? Basically, that sounds like a super valuable thing. People are really going to need people to help them interface with our new robot overlords. Definitely. Indeed. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Job security for myself. It's ready because I'm desperately curious about it too. Yeah. All right. Well, thank so, yeah, you. I'll, thank you for joining I'll me. I'll send you guys the link for the uh, the AI voice uh, replication thing. That's awesome. I'm enjoying that. <laughs> but yeah, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, Once again, thanks, Ian for getting me into this community. It's made my life uh, a lot better. Awesome. Thanks. I'm so glad to hear it. 
Oh. Thanks, Emmanuel. Appreciate talking to you. See you. Who's right. next? And um, we got to put Manuel back on uh, server oh, yeah. so we don't get that echoing thing. Alrighty. So, do we have uh, someone else who would like to come speak with us about something? Or did you have something, Steve? It doesn't matter if you have anything interesting to say. Just like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You guys go between yourselves for a second because there was one quick topic, or we've got like four, but I'll try and do one at a time and reject them. Um, let's see. The shortest one. Oh, these were the um, questions that people sent in for us to answer. <laughs> yeah, people are voting for April. Oh. Well, it, don't don't feel pressured. Yeah, don't yeah. let people push you into it. So you do whatever you want. Um, let's see. In the meantime, I've got like five questions here that people either wrote in that have means to get around or other things. So the quickest one, um, Emilio Alvarez. Uh, it's also supporters. They get they get dibs. Um, wanted us to discuss the anthropic principle. And when I asked for clarification, I got this. Let's see. So I was just about to ask you what, what about it. Um, HP Bayes says shit rationalists say part two would be awesome. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so basically, I guess I can summarize really quick my understanding of the anthropic principle. And then I had like this weird subthought on that that I've been throwing around the last few years and forgot about and didn't remember again until this question. So um, I think the anthropic principle is just basically. Uh, how would you summarize it? Like we're here because we're here having this conversation and we couldn't be if we weren't. Right. Like that sounds like a circular reasoning, but I remember as a kid being like really young and wondering like why we were on this part of the universe, not another part of the universe or like um, why our, uh, why the earth was where it was in relation to the sun and not somewhere else. But the simple answer is, is like if it were, if it were somewhere else, like closer to the sun, we wouldn't be up. I wouldn't be having those thoughts on that earth. Um, the weird, and there's actually a name for this because I, I know I came across it at some point in the last 10 years, but I can't remember what it was called, where anthropically I'm living the timeline where I've never been killed. All right. And I've, I've almost been killed several times, like car accidents or, you know, whatever, falling misadventures. And there's a name for this that I'm not sure what it's, what it is. Um, I, the closest I've heard is quantum immortality. That, that I think that's, that's not the same thing. It's related. No, but that actually might have been what I came across then. Because currently I'm living the timeline where I've never died, and I, if if there's a timeline where I don't die, I think I might be that I might be in the timeline. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, you're obviously in that timeline because you're not dead yet. But <laughs> right, so like oh, one where you never die at all. Yeah, yeah. So that's like, the tricky part. If if we hit life extension technology, I think I'll be the one who hits it. Right. right. I don't think that maybe that. Although when I say that, it doesn't seem to follow. But anyway, you guys take your your jump on anthropic principle uh, for our writing question. Or does anyone want to talk about the anthropic principle live on air? Or on the cyber air? <laughs> when did cyber the stop cyber being air. a word? That was that was such a fun word. I'm going to cyber spice, man. When Trump ruined it. Oh. What, what did he do? He calls the internet the cyber. <laughs> I remember when it was called cyber sex and I was like, this is this gotta be amazing. I could have sex with a cyborg? No, it's just chatting and masturbating. I <laughs> mean <laughs> I think you could. No, I, I, I think that kind of exists, but the technology is not quite there yet. So Teledildonics? You, you can have sex with a really like disconcerting <laughs> doll. <laughs> All right, I, I have a fun proposition here. Why don't we put the uh, IT and April on at the same time? Ooh, why is there? Oh, because they're they're fighting against to go first. Ah, okay. But if there's feedback, we'll mute one of you. So. <laughs> <laughs> We are not fighting. <laughs> no, who's on, on second? 
<laughs> Let's see. Gotta add a roll because reasons. <laughs> I thought when I made that roll, I thought that it would automatically un server mute anyone who's given the roll. That's it. Yeah. The lesson has been learned. Huh? Oh, hey, I heard a huh. I heard somebody. Hi, this is me. Hey, April, April what's up? Yeah. Um, I don't know, I've just been sitting here for the last hour, 45 minutes, listening to people talk. <laughs> so are we as boring as I fear we are? I mean, I haven't been fully engaged the entire time, but <laughs> you haven't been boring, no. Okay. <laughs> like the long pause, it's like, uh... <laughs> yes, but I don't want to be I mean, rude. I, I spent, I spent, no, you're not boring, I just spent a lot of it reading Hammer Time, so... Okay. Oh shit, we're still on live YouTube, I forgot about that. And yeah. apparently we are not synced up to what is going yeah, on right now. It's really... How delayed is this? It's One, very delayed. Two, three, four, oh, five, darn, I lost. six, seven, eight, nine, you lost? ten. It's at least ten seconds delayed, man. This is crazy. Oh, there we go, like 15 she, seconds delayed. She. Yeah, well, that seems pointless. I can cancel the YouTube thing if you guys want. But, anyway. Nah, it's cool. Oh, yep, stop looking at the YouTube, the delay is super nuts. Sorry about that. Oh, the Ide. Ide, are you on here as well? They ought to be. Did I not successfully unmute you? I don't think you unmuted. Um, oh. Did we lose people? No, you are You should be good. Uh, they might have it muted on their end. Yeah, you muted yourself. Okay. Yep, because the server is not muted. I guess Ide is just waiting for April to be done with the April talking. I thought we were both going to go at once. <laughs> nope, apparently you got to go first. Congratulations. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, what? So, uh, hi, I, I thought it was red, so that means I'm silence. Sorry, I didn't understand the way the Discord works. Oh, that's okay. Hi, hi. We have day now. This whole last two hours has been us not knowing how the Discord works. Don't sweat it. <laughs> but by the way, it's a tie for the record. A tie. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the competition was a tie? No, the, um, name, the, the, the name, name is pronounced. Their yeah. um, handle. What is that from? Is I'm that dang, my pun didn't land. It's a name. It's literally the name. Oh, okay. Ah. Cool. Well, welcome aboard. How long have you guys been listening? Yeah. A year? Oh, I don't know. I haven't kept like track. Yeah. Okay. Same, Same here. The Anthropic Principle or what? Uh, or whatever you guys want to talk about. Talk about I mean, I am not writing, what is it, a PhD paper or something? Yeah. yeah. Just a paper, a paper in general on the Anthropic Principle, so. Oh, at this what, moment I you mean, are. No, I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, no, I am doing that. That was the context, yeah. All right. I mean, it's not specifically, it's the Anthropic Principle is a part of it. So it's about the cosmological constant. Which is sort of the, you know, the real proof we currently have that the anthropic principle is something that's well accepted. Um, so the cosmological constant is this thing that Einstein... Oh, sorry, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Sorry, so um, uh, the, the cosmological constant is this thing that controls the expansion of the universe. And it's a lot smaller than what physicists expect. And about 120 orders of magnitude small, so that's really, really a lot. And like the the first prediction we had of it before we measured it was because okay, if it was so big, no one would be here to measure it. And 
that is currently the only real reason we have why it's so small. Like, there's no <laughs> other accepted solution to why, why the cosmological constant is so small. Yeah. And, like, the big question is sort of, okay, but how do you really measure whether it's possible to live with it and so on? Um, because, like, you know, if a Boltzmann brain, which is basically a brain that exists for one second, thinks that, you know, I'm a, I think, therefore I am, would that be, if that's a very probable event that happened in the history, that means that, you know, maybe we are that Boltzmann brain that is right now thinking and is about to die in a few seconds, just a quantum fluctuation in the empty universe, and that would really suck. Yeah. <laughs> and... I mean, you wouldn't know, right? Because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, creating is just like a few neurons that are existing and then stopping to exist is not that hard. So, but then, of course, there's a question of hmm? if if you have a long enough time period, yeah. With the cosmological constant thing, that, I mean, the only way I can accept that sort of anthropic principle is to also accept that uh, basically all possible universes exist in the sort of Tegmarkian universe sense that all reality well, yeah, if you want to <laughs> if you want to take the brain dead way out, but uh, the, the you know, the Tegmarkian uh, universe idea where all, all universes are just expressions of mathematical equations and the only ones with observers are the ones that have the right parameters for it to have observers which is... Right, that's Neat, but I also hate infinite multiverses. Yeah, I was wondering when you were going to get to your hatred of multiverses. I do. That's just a personal thing, though. Yeah, that's a very extreme theory for for what we call the landscape. You're right, that is a theory. But a more reasonable theory of the landscape just gives you sort of a bunch of universes with different cosmological constants. They're not an infinite amount. And the thing that I'm working on, the the, the real what what my actual paper is about. Is sort of a way to have that without an infinite amount of universes, like to have a finite amount of universes that are of finite size and still have all the guys with the large cosmological constant destroy themselves fairly quickly. Because oh. I agree, if you have an infinite amount of universes that exist for an infinite time, then statistics sort of become really meaningless in a sense. It's very hard to really think about these things. It's called the measure problem, by the way. Yeah. So you so you um, are working on a way to show that maybe there doesn't have to be infinite universes. Yeah, we're working on. So not only are there not so, not only are there not an infinite universes, they are also not living for infinitely long times. Um, and yeah, and the the ones with a large cosmological constant are gonna die very quickly, and that's why ours is sort of long lived. I hope yeah, that. Sorry, I, you just talked about it, and it's really, you know, we are publishing in the next few days, so it really... Oh, sweet. Well, if you, yeah, get us, really uh, if you send us the link, um, probably an email, because I'm sure it'll get lost in the, uh, in the Discord if you put it on the Discord, uh, then we can include it when we put this episode on the website, because that's going, this thing is going up on Wednesday, I guess with minimal editing, so everyone can get the awful <laughs> experience. We'll cut out all the, uh, the Discord technical issues at the beginning. Um, okay, when I get it, I will. I will send. I will find a way to send it to the masses, to the good people of the podcast. Fantastic. Where Thanks. Where are you doing this right now? Like what university? Uh, right. Uh, Tel Aviv University. Oh, cool. I don't yeah. know much about it, but I've I've heard that it's a good one. Yeah, it's very nice. 
How, so yeah. you live in Tel Aviv right now, right? Uh, well, very, very near Tel Aviv. What is the situation like down there? Because I recently, I guess in the last episode, talked about White Shift. And in White Shift, he mentions that uh, Jerusalem seems to be falling under the sway of like ultra-Orthodox uh, right-wing Judaism. Are you having seen any of that sort of thing? Not in, well, in Tel Aviv, there's actually now been a very good sign, uh, very recently. Uh, there was, there's a big issue with, uh, um, what do you call it, um, public transportation, or it's illegal to have uh, public transportation on Saturdays because of the Jewish uh, whatever. Yeah. And right now, they just started to have public transportation in central Israel. So that's actually a very good sign. However, you're right that the... There are bad signs in other places, like Tel Aviv is sort of a good place to be in, but other places not so much right now, with a lot of right-wing protests and so on. Uh, you know, recently we had the worst periods to be in Israel, I think. Like, this is sort of mild, so I don't feel that bad about it. But, um, but yeah, you're right, there are problems. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you keep the, uh, keep the rationalist front strong over there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I might have missed it. By the way, April. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to write. You can talk. I mean. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So what is the doomsday argument? Uh, the doomsday argument. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but I believe it's essentially. Um, if you sample randomly from some amount of. A set, you're going to probably get something somewhere in the middle. And therefore, since we are sampled randomly from all humans, we're probably in the middle chronologically of the human um, the length of the human race will survive weighted for a number of people alive. Yeah. So, the world is probably ending soon. Right. Because the number of people alive now is just absolutely massive compared mm -hmm. to all of our history up to now. And basically what I was saying in chat is that this is probably a good argument, but I think all the other evidence is, like, outweighs it. Yeah, I also, I don't know, if you take the entire possible future history of humanity where there could be quadrillions of us spread among the stars, we're still in the way, way ta early tail end of uh, mm -hmm. Which... population. Which I guess is statistically very unlikely. Right. I don't know. But, <laughs> but someone's got to I mean, be at the front, right? Someone's got to be in the... we're dying. The what? Sorry? That's only assuming you're... Sorry. Okay, I'll go, I guess. I think the doomsday argument is, like, some evidence that... that there won't be, you know, just trillions and... Impending dog attack. You know, by Mike. Oh my god, it's a dog! <laughs> Are they dead? Like, they can still talk? Because it sounds like they disappeared. <laughs> Yay! We took over the Bayesian conspiracy.